A quick note before today's show, I'm Robert Smith from Planet Money, and we wanted to say that NPR has a special request this week. One of our fellow podcasts, Snap Judgment with Glenn Washington, it's a great storytelling show. They are raising money for the new season on Kickstarter. They're about two-thirds of the way there. But if you enjoy the show, if you want more storytelling on the radio, you should really go support them. You can make a contribution now at snapjudgment.org. Japan recently got some bad news, or I should say more bad news. Its economy shrank from April to June this year by almost 2% in one quarter. And this came after there was a lot of hope for new policies in Japan to sort of turn the place around. Last summer, Alex Bloomberg and Lisa Chow brought us a story about one idea, one strange idea to help jumpstart Japan's economy. Here it is. If you want a country that makes the U.S.'s problems look small, Japan is not a bad choice. Its debt problem is more than twice as big as ours is. Its demographics are a mess. There's lots of old people who need to be taken care of, not enough young people to pay for that care. Fortunately for Japan, there is one silver bullet out there, one thing that could help turn the economy around, something that here in the U.S. we take for granted, this. Uh, it's 6.19, and I just got home from work. And Isaac is kneeling on the ground and uh, putting my headphone cord in his mouth. That's me and my son, Isaac. He's 11 months old. Sounds adorable. (laughs) Thanks. That's a scene that happens pretty much every workday. I come home from work, get dinner ready, and get Isaac to bed. Uh, This happens in millions of homes all across America, of course. But in Japan, it doesn't happen as much. There are not as many working moms in Japan as there are here in the United States. In fact, more than half of working women in Japan quit their jobs after they have a kid. Hello and welcome to Planet Money. I'm Alex Bloomberg. And I'm Lisa Chow. Today on the show, we're going to talk about how getting more moms to keep their day jobs could save Japan's economy. So, Lisa, let's start here. There's this book that many people have heard of. It's called Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg. She's a senior executive at Facebook. I read it. Lots of women I know have read it. And it's all about whether women can have it all. How do you have a family and move up in your career? And Sheryl Sandberg argues that women should step up, fight to be boss, to make more money. And basically, she says, you can do that and still be a good mom. This book has made a huge splash. Probably half the working women in the United States asked for a raise after it came out. But in Japan, this conversation about being a mom and working outside the home has even higher stakes than it does here. It's not just about work-life balance. It's not just about equity of pay. In Japan, the economic prospects of the country ride on this conversation. The Japanese government has latched on to increasing the female labor participation rate as a way to grow the economy. They're calling it womenomics. And the woman behind this idea is Kathy Matsui. She's chief Japan strategist at Goldman Sachs. By merely increasing the female participation rate, you could boost, uh, on our estimates, the level of Japan's GDP by as much as 14 to 15 percentage points. Think of that, 14 to 15 percentage points. In the United States, we're growing at 2% and we're dreaming of 4%. 14 to 15%, you can see why people think of that as a silver bullet. It could solve potentially all of Japan's problems right there. But there are a lot of obstacles to keeping more moms on the job in Japan. And these obstacles are hard to overcome. Yeah. First one up is daycare. So if you think finding daycare is hard in the U.S., it's almost impossible in Japan. 
the Japanese daycare system is much more like a government bureaucracy than it is here. You have to trudge from center to center, putting your name on a wait list, filling out lots of paperwork. Two-year waits for a spot are not uncommon. I spoke to one mother in Tokyo. Her name is Keiko Shima. She had been working at the same public relations firm for 10 years. She loved her job. And then one day she got pregnant. And after she had her son, she wanted to go back to work. And so she had to figure out what to do about daycare. And she discovered that there's this complicated point system to get her son into daycare. So, for instance, you get more points if you're a single mother, more points still if you're not making that much money. Now, for Shima, she was married, her husband worked, and so she didn't get as many points. Plus, at her job at the PR firm, her bosses allowed her from time to time to telecommute, and occasionally she would work from home. In the government daycare system, this was a strike against her. If they know this, um, they will tell you, oh, so you are staying at home, so you can take care of your kid yourself. Now, as someone who occasionally has tried to work while also taking care of my children, I can tell you, you are not a good employee when you do that. And you're also not a very good parent for that matter. It just does not work. But to the Japanese daycare system, that really doesn't matter. And when I first heard you talking about this, Lisa, I was comparing it to the situation here in the United States. And most parents probably would not say, you know, we got this daycare problem licked here in the U.S. But, you know, when my wife and I were putting our kids in daycare, compared to Japan, in retrospect, it was pretty simple. We had a lot of different options. It definitely seemed like the market was meeting the need that we had. Now, in Japan, there are private daycare centers, but they cost more and they're overcrowded. Shima had her son in one of them for a while, but she was desperate to get him out. Finally, after two years, she did something pretty extreme to get her points up. She started paying to rent an office outside her home, which gave her more points because it meant she had to commute to work and couldn't be home. So the good news now is she finally got her son into daycare. The bad news is it took so long that she lost her job in the process. She's now freelancing making a tenth of what she used to make. So the Japanese government is taking this problem on. They have pledged to create 400,000 new daycare slots by 2017. That would be a 20% increase over the current number. And the government says that'll take care of those wait lists. Other experts aren't so sure about that. And they say there are lots of things that the government could be doing that it is not. A big one, reforming the immigration system. So here in the U.S., if you couldn't get your kid into daycare, there is another option, nannies babysitters. For various reasons, immigrants make up a large portion of the nanny labor pool here. But Japan, unlike the U.S., has very few immigrants. Japan does not make it easy for foreigners to work there. Well, at least foreigners who want to work in child care. Other industries are a lot easier. For example, thousands of women from the Philippines immigrate to Japan every year on so-called entertainment visas. So an entertainment visa entitles you to work as a hostess in a fancy club. If that sounds like a euphemism, in some cases it probably is. At least some percentage of women with these visas apparently wind up working in the sex industry. So Japan's immigration laws, as currently set up, favor cocktail waitresses and possibly prostitutes over childcare workers. Kathy Matsui, the Japan strategist who coined the term womenomics, says if government officials really want to encourage women to return to work, they've got to figure out who's going to help clean, cook, and especially take care of the kids. Oftentimes when I speak to people in the Japanese government about this dilemma, uh, many, surprisingly, often say to me, but uh, Matsui-san, that is exactly why we're developing the robotics industry, because eventually robots will be able to take up and uh, uh, assume many of these tasks that women are currently uh, doing at present. I guess I feel I need to point out she's 
serious about this, right? She has actually had conversations where robots are proposed as a, as a solution. Yes. Matsui said she has had several conversations like this where various government officials offer this as a solution to the problem of child care. And there is some precedent here. I mean, the Japanese government has invested quite a bit of money into developing robots to take care of the elderly. The robots would be able to kind of grasp or fetch things. There's other technology in the works. These exoskeletons that old people could wear, it could help them move around and lift heavy objects. Sort of like an Iron Man suit for grandma or grandpa. It would literally make them stronger than they actually are. Yeah, but obviously this is a long way from a robot nanny. And most people I talk to dismiss this idea out of hand. You don't want a robot raising your kid, no matter how advanced it is. You know, as we were going through all this, I realized that there is this other option to the problem of who will take care of the kids if the mom has to work. The dad, right? (laughs) Uh, Not to be heteronormative here, but there are a lot of dads out there. They could pick up some of this slack, right? Yeah, I talked to Mariko Bando. She's the author of a Japanese bestseller called The Dignity of a Woman. She's sort of the Sheryl Sandberg of Japan. Compared to United States, uh, we have difficulties to get the husband's support. We Japanese women must do everything by ourselves. So husbands, apparently are a big part of the problem. Yes. While we all know that Japan is an incredibly advanced economy, it's the third largest in the world, when it comes to gender roles, it's more like the U.S. in the 1950s. I mean, most Japanese men aren't in the room when their children are born. They're not expected to cook or clean or help take care of the kids. And compared to American husbands, they certainly don't do as much of this. In we go. One child. We don't have to wash your hair. We don't have to wash your hair. I think we're going to wash Samira's hair. All right, that is me getting my three-year-old son, Calvin, and my one-year-old daughter, Samira, into their bath. Not a robot, just me. My wife works nights, so this is my routine after work. Bath time with one kid, I thought that was hard enough. Yeah, well, don't get too impressed. Uh, Tell everybody what happened in the bath. There was poop in the bath. Who's poop? Samir pooped, I mean, in the bathtub. Samir pooped in the bathtub? Yeah, and what, and what did Daddy do? Daddy said, Samira, out, 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 out. <laughs> that actually happened. It was not staged. And it wasn't the first time, I might add. There's got to be a fair number of dads out there who can relate to that story. In Japan, statistically, there aren't as many. And part of this is an expectation of what men and women are responsible for. I talked to one Japanese father who, while he recognized that there was a financial benefit to his wife working and he wanted to support his wife's career, he also felt like mothers should stay at home with their kids. Bath time, it's not a dad's job. But part of this arrangement that the moms do all the work and the dads don't do as much has to do with another part of Japanese culture that has nothing to do with gender roles. It's all about the culture surrounding work. Everybody with a job in Japan, men and women alike, work incredibly long hours. Japanese people get on average a little over three weeks of paid vacation per year, and they take less than half of that. I spoke with one mother in Kobe. Her name is Hiroko. She's 38 and has a seven-month-old son. Her husband goes to work every morning at 7.30 and comes home around midnight. Hiroko herself used to work the same kind of hours, sometimes staying at her desk overnight. She's currently on maternity leave from her job at a pharmacy company. How confident are you that you will return to work after maternity leave? 
Well, confidence. Mm. Uh, if I can give you by percentage, maybe I have 50% of the confidence that I can possibly go back to my work and continue my job. So tell me what the 50% that's not confident, tell me what are the factors that make you not confident? So after I go back to my job, I still have to work for long hours. And if I, I will spend too much time with my son, then、um, I can't spend enough time on my job. So that will give my colleague、um, trouble to cover my work. I'm wondering, did you feel guilty at all about taking maternity leave? <laughs> Actually, I have,、uh, I feel the sense of guilty a lot. Nobody says anything, nobody blames me、uh, for taking this long vacation, or nobody tells me not to take this maternity leave. However,、uh, I always kind of blame myself. Hiroko tells me that of the 100 people who work in her department, 70 of them are women and only four have kids. So there aren't many people who understand the position she's in. For a lot of working mothers in Japan, in this situation, it's easier just to quit the workforce entirely. Now, a lot of this is beyond the control of government. Gender norms have changed here in the U.S. in response to a lot of factors outside of the government social movements, economic changes, Murphy Brown. <laughs> And those changes, they're happening in Japan as well. Kathy Matsui, the Japan strategist at Goldman Sachs, told me the men of the millennial generation don't want to work the same kind of hours that their fathers worked. They want to be more involved in their kids' lives. But she says a little bit of a push from above could help things. So far, that push has been to create those 400,000 additional daycare spots. How to deal with the rest, the long hours, the gender expectations, the rigid immigration laws. So far, the government hasn't presented any plans. As always, we would love to hear your thoughts, questions, comments. Email us at planetmoney at npr.org. Or you can find us on Facebook, Spotify, Twitter. I'm Lisa Chow. And I'm Alex Bloomberg. Thanks for listening. The water is warm, but it's in need.